Hello, and welcome to Urban Waters Speak from the Urban Waters Learning Network. We host conversations with water practitioners working to conserve, restore, and revitalize America's urban waterways. We're glad you're here. So how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. That's me and Maria De Jesus. I'm Renee Mazurik, Resilient Communities Manager for River Network and team member of the Urban Waters Learning Network. Maria is the housing justice organizer for Ironbound Community Corporation, or ICC, and a member of the Urban Waters Learning Network Equitable Development and Anti-Displacement Collaborative. She works directly with community members in Newark, New Jersey, facing rent increases and evictions. At ICC, housing justice is an integral part of the environmental justice programming in a community that faces cumulative impacts from both water and air pollution. Her main role is to connect tenants with programs and legal services, using her personal experiences to connect with each community member and give them strength to always fight for their rights. I was able to talk with Maria on February 14, 2023 about her work. Keep listening to hear our conversation. Can you tell me more about, and in any order, um, the Ironbound community, your role as the housing justice organizer at Ironbound Community Corporation, and how you came into this work? So Ironbound Community Corporation, I'll start with that. Ironbound Community Corporation has been around for um, a little over 50 years. It's a community that kind of started with um, incinerators. Um, so that was like their main focus, like EJ and family. So they had like table to table, which was like an actual place where families came to eat. Because you know, that was a big issue around the community. So right now, Ironbound Community Corporation helps with everything, direct services from family services to educational for adults, citizenship, helping with applications. They have another school program, domestic violence and such more. Um, and then we also have the Remedy to Justice Department, which I am part of. And that's when my role comes in as a housing justice organizer at Ironbound Community Corporation. So my role pretty much is a little complex, beginning of the end of the month. You get a lot of calls, especially for evictions and harassment for people to get out, or people start getting harassed by landlords who already want them out. So like they'll shut up utilities and such. So that's one thing I'm always there for the community um, to pretty much enforce and remind them that they do have a voice and let them know that they have a stand against the landlords, no matter their situation, like and let it be economical or even citizenship wise. But we have a lot of undocumented folks in our community. So many of them are scared to even um, fight against the landlord for fear of ICE or retaliation or anything else. You know, they just rather just pay or just move and that makes their life a lot more complicated. Yeah. So I always say to people, I'm either a landlord's best friend or I could be a landlord's best, worst enemy. You know, you choose or they choose. Either they comply or we're going to make them comply or it's going to be, they give you help, we're going to give help back, you know, and there's a lot of legal services that are there to help and many services throughout the city. How I came about into this work so I actually came into this job really random. I actually met my bosses outside of work from the EJ department. So I kind of like met the team on and off in my other job. And then I started working with them with the census. I worked with the census. I was there throughout the whole census starting October of 2020. It ended. I got hired for the EJ department as a house just organizer. I started there. I kind of helped with like 
organizing certain things like data and stuff like that. And then I got starting my feet wet little by little with housing stuff because housing, you could read about it all you want, but you only know the process once you go through it with somebody. And a lot of things that helped me was because it was COVID, um, a lot of things were like online. So certain places were closed that people are used to going to. So I used that time for learning um, as well, like learning new work. So I actually would go online and act like I'm a person who's in need. And that's how I found many of the resources available for our community. Mm -hmm. And as well as asking advice for my bosses and everybody else above me, like, hey, how do I go about this and stuff in certain situations? Yeah, and we've had a lot of successful stories where we've had people either close to being evicted or even outside already evicted and actually being able to go back in their home. So that always makes me feel happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you share the tie that you see between, for example, river restoration or waterfront development and housing issues? Oh, of course. We did with that hands-on and no <laughs> work. So we have this park that we kind of like fought for in order to fix it because it was disgusting right by the river, by Pacific River. It's called the riverfront. So you can pretty much walk from it from Penn Station. And if you live in Torral Homes, you could pretty much come out of the end of one of the side of the buildings and walk directly into the park. There's direct access. So once that park finished getting developed, all of a sudden there was this big boom of buying buildings and wanting to renovate. And one of them was Terrell Homes, which was one of the biggest um, housing um, authority buildings in the area. And I guess she one of the oldest. They went a lot through Sandy and everything. So pretty much at that point, the families were given options to either like move or receive Section 8 or move to another housing. Many of them chose Section 8 because a lot of them didn't want to go from housing to housing knowing that the same problem might go on. Some may be able to move back in. They have that in writing. Um, there's a lot of legal stuff going on. It was like a whole couple of years, especially in the pandemic, of people being removed without us being knowing about it. And people just like kind of leaving because they didn't want to deal with it. So it's a lot of getting things in writing because they love to say, hey, yeah, we're gonna let people back in. But it's like, okay, is that guaranteed? Um, are the developers aware of that? Are the owners of the new building aware of that? So I don't know if people are aware, but nationally, a lot of um, NHA housing is actually could be converted into multi-income. So you're going to have folks who have regular income. You have people who have Section A. You may have some kind of state or like city, kind of like federal um, subsidies that helps them with like paying their um, rent. So pretty much like that whole subsidy of the actual building. So the so, so kind of the difference between the two is that once a building goes private or mixed income, that building no longer is part of NHA, which means that that building itself could one day, let's say if that person leaves with the Section E, that apartment is no longer part of Section E. That apartment becomes regular market rent. So that actually deprives from a lot of affordable housing. So that caused the big issues and then that causes for more people to move into more condensed areas or have to like resort to illegal things and or end up having to go into an area they may not have want to or move from their home. Yeah. So that's a big issue that people are not seeing. So like we're pretty much getting rid of it. And yeah, it may seem nice because other people are able to live in it. But at the same time, you're removing that choice from people who don't have the income or the they don't have the resources to actually get up and move if things are bad, you know, or choose a place that is best for them or stay locally because local rent at market rent is at market rate is ridiculous. We're looking at 1800 for like one bedrooms, you know, so 
2,500 for two bedrooms, three bedrooms, close to 3,000. So it's no longer like what people are used to or can afford based on their income. I want to just ch check in with you. I think you used an acronym that I'm not necessarily familiar with. I want to make sure that I get it right. Yes. That's Newark Housing Authority. Sorry. Aha. Got it. Newark. Yeah. So that's Housing. Newark Housing Authority um, or just HUD. If anybody hears HUD, which is housing, um, you know, um, urban development. So they're pretty much the ones who are like federally. So if anybody has any buildings like that, you are protected federally. There's a lot of laws that they have to comply by because they do receive federal grants, those landlords. And let's say even if you pay 30%, they're still getting paid on market rent because your, your apartment is still at market rate. The only difference is that HUD, Section 8, whatever subsidized um, um, application or form you have, that program is actually paid for the other half. For the other amount, the other seventy percent, okay. and the other seventy percent always at market rate, and that's another mm -hmm. thing that's going on. So, like, they find out you have Section Eight, and the apartment be eighteen hundred, but all of a sudden they want twenty five hundred because we got Section Eight. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not it's a system, but it's like how that benefit that person. That person decides to better themselves, you know. Yeah. And they can no longer qualify for a section eight, or their percentage is higher. Yeah. I want to shift a little bit to the ways that you do community engagement. And you could talk about like the shift from like COVID to now or however you want to talk about it, but just in terms of the systems that you use and maybe about some of the, like the, the materials um, that you use and that kind of stuff. Okay. So for engaging the community, uh, we have multiple factors. During COVID, it was a lot harder, but we used, we have this food table table like I was telling you, but actually distribution of food now. So they actually give away food during the pandemic. So they're giving away like boxes and bags. So we actually had like a whole call list. We had like a whole list of community members. So we were able to always call them, be in contact with them. And we know what's going on. If someone's having housing issues or you're having issues with your rental or you're being evicted or anything with code enforcement. So we're able to hear what was going on. It weren't able to see a lot of it because we're a lot, you know, we couldn't go into those homes and stuff like that. As things progressed and things opened up, it made it a lot easier. We're able to see a lot of the conditions. We're able to see how a lot of people with disabilities were unable to have caretakers go into their buildings. So that caused like their apartments to like really like get under like really bad conditions. They themselves were in bad conditions where they didn't have maybe their medication or their homes weren't um, hygienic enough because they didn't have nobody to come in and take care of it because they themselves can't take care of their own home for whatever um, health reasons they may have. Another thing that we do also is we do a lot of engagement like within. So like if you get direct service from any of us and you ask for anything having to do with housing, they will refer to you, they will refer you to us automatically. Anybody housing will be either me or any of my team members and then we'll assist you in whatever you have. If you if you're able to like defend yourself, we'll give you the guidance and like, you know, like, hey, this is how you do it, this is how you follow up and stuff like that. But if you can, which a lot of our communities can't, um, we actually assist them all the way through. So we help them with either insecure legal services, code enforcement, grant control. So code enforcement is kind of like certain organization inside of Newark, which pretty much enforces to make sure that landlords are keeping up to par. So like making sure the utilities are not shut off illegally, um, you don't have no leaking, any breakage, um, infestations of rodents or insects, stuff like that. <clears throat> and they're so sure that the landlord fixes it correctly, so you can always call them back and double check. 
Because a lot of people think, oh, yeah, they did it right. And then I don't know where they have the same leakage two weeks later or a month later. Um, yeah. So uh, we move on to that. And then we also do a lot of uh, panels. We do a lot of like, during that time, we did a lot of virtual stuff. So it was like either through Facebook announced because the mayor has like this Facebook channel and he's able to announce like different things. We also use our social media to organize and get communities together to learn and hear directly from lawyers and other organizations of like resources available, their rights, their responsibilities, and how to avoid and defend themselves during eviction properly. And like, what are the process and how to like um, go about it at a proper time and process. Cause sometimes people go, they get scared. They don't like to talk about it. And then very last minute, they decide to get help. And sometimes it's hard to get legal services to represent you during those times. And then later on, we ended up opening the, during the pandemic around, I believe it was November of 2021, we realized that certain, well, prior to that, we already noticed that there was a lot of people needing rental assistance and evictions were going to pretty much go skyrocket them in the moratorium ended. So policy was pushed in order for the self-certification. So there's this new thing called self-certification where it's to prevent evictions and you self-certify that during that time you had either um, someone had COVID or any COVID-related issues, either loss of job, lost hours, taking care of someone who was sick, that actually gave you access to sign up. So like if you were 120% AMI, you're covered up to August of 2021. But if you're under 80% AMI, which is the area of medium income, you'll be covered until December of 2021. So that covered um, anybody from March of 2020 to that time period based on your income. So you technically cannot be evicted now or ever, forever missing rent during that time. We had to go on foot to make sure people understood what was going on because we know that people are starting to work. People are starting to try to make things happen, get back to normality, and they don't have time to look at their phones or even look down or even stop me and stop them. So they created the street team. They got um, funding. It started with the city of Newark and Newark Community Street Team. We later joined them in November of 2021, and we started creating a street team. And then they, little by little, um, canvassed, and we created uh, certain like door hangers and also flyers that's like double-sided, English and Spanish, so the community could know, hey, these are resources available for free, like code enforcement, rental assistance, general direct services, health department, anything that you may need. And on the other side, had legal services. So even if you didn't know any of it, now you knew it's free. <laughs> so the minute you said it's free, it's like, and it was like a cool, it was like a little door hanger. So be like, how can we help you? Do you have any questions about rental and stuff like that? Kind of like get you to stop and look at it. And it's kind of like a bright color. So we'll kind of like actually stop people to stop and read it. And then we started training more of the canvassers to now be community leaders so they can understand and actually be there for their community. Since we cannot be there everywhere. And it's been a point to that pretty much like we don't have the capacity, even if everybody goes to eviction tomorrow, to be able to stop um, evictions and stop a big case of homelessness on unsheltered folks. So what we've decided was to show that everybody gets their information and through those things we actually gather names phone numbers of those who allow us to speak we get to find out if you may need some kind of help with mental health those mental health provided for free it still is available and if you need help with rental assistance or any other direct services you know just something to ease you off um you having any issues really there's they are there to enforce and reestablish that trust and 
guideline and communication with the community and other organizations. So I'm curious about the teams. Are they compensated or is this all volunteer? Yes. So yeah. they actually got a grant made through the city and it was a, um, a lot of philanthropists who got together and created this in order to um, assist as they noticed that Norm was going to have the highest evictions and already had prior to COVID. So they were trying to stop um, the mass eviction. So they worked their best to pass policies and bills and then that grant came along and that actually assisted to help community members know more about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then right before the new year, we did a panel in all five wards with lawyers and homeless services, other organizations like um, Norwood Community Solutions who help with like court navigation and also rental assistance. Yeah, so it was really great. And we had a lot of different panelists throughout those five times just giving free information and people were actually able to connect with them directly. So they didn't have to wait and call, you know what I mean? They could get their name and number right there and then and get some assistance or have someone call them by tomorrow or like within 40 hours, which is beautiful. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add with how you keep track or provide resources? Uh, we have a database. So we kind of keep track of everybody through there and then reference then anybody who knows you they'll just refer you. Yeah, I get a lot of referrals from outsiders as well. So I know this work isn't easy. What keeps you motivated? To be honest with you, just learn that people are not gonna be outside of the cold or in the heat. Learn that people have a shelter. Those good stories that help us move forward and realize that that we do is it causes some kind of an impact no matter where they're staying, either hotel, shelter, or in their own apartment or their own house. I myself have personal reasons for it. Um, we thought we did prior to my own household. So it's personal. And at the same time, I don't want children to ever deal with the awkwardness of not knowing how to fill out your blue card or emergency card because you don't have a stable home at the moment. Yeah. So it's personal at the same time. Um, I just love it. It makes me feel good. It's stressful sometimes, but the reward out of it, just helping people and just having their shoulders just like drop and like breathe for the first time. Like, okay, I have options. is amazing. And every day you find people who still know they have resources and now they know. So, yeah. How do you take care of yourself in the, like, what do you do for yourself? I ground myself a lot to manage the I'm surrounded by, um, luckily, a lot of good people and a very good team. They, we are aware of how hard our job is. So we do have time. They let you to get uh, mentally okay. They always check up on you. I have, I could say I'm really lucky to have good people around me for that. And to me, just grounding myself and just doing things just for myself, just unwinding. Sometimes it's just not doing nothing at all for the whole day. That's just me recharging for the day. <laughs> you know so and I also do a lot of like different things like um self-care classes and stuff like that that help me to always better and like how to like handle situations and emotions you know because can't save everybody but whoever I am able to help I'm happy to do so and that's something you have to learn along the way so because we can't play Superman we wish we can but we can't <laughs> yeah but we do the best that we can and just sharing the knowledge sometimes it's a lot more than just having to save somebody because they carry that with them and they can share with others. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. 
I think you're a superwoman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, what would you like other organizations to know about the role of housing justice and environmental justice work? They're interwined. They're like your right hand and your left hand when you're washing your hands, can't really wash your hand without the other. They're so connected that people are just realizing it now. And I guess because after all the chaos that has been going on, and I guess like people are just like fed up, and I guess maybe the internet is more accessible, so it's in their face and so they can see it. But yeah, so from redlining to <laughs> pretty much other minorities and most of the urban cities being around really toxic areas um, shows how environmental and housing has always been hand in hand and how no matter where you go in the United States and pretty much the world is the same. Because even if I think about it in the world, you go to third world countries, yeah, you have the areas that are beautiful and oh my goodness. But if you go to the really poor areas, that's where you see the slum, you see the garbage, you see the pollution. And we get to let everybody know that there is an interwine and you may not see it directly, but if you're around that area or anywhere where the wind blows from that area, you're gonna suffer the same consequences. It may not be as intense, but as years go by, more particles and it's just getting stronger and stronger with the pollution. So this is another thing that people need to understand that just because you're not there, you're still impacted if you're around that area because water flows, wind blows and we cannot control that. Yeah. Yes, very powerful words. I just have one more question. What do you see or hope for the future in Ironbound? Honestly, I just want them to be knowledgeable to the point that anything comes across the table or looks funny, they gather together themselves and come to us and tell us what's going on. That'd be beautiful, like to have the community just like know what's going on and just need us for like policy work or like for us to like reinforce them in one way or another, maybe resources or just either like social media people or just record them so they could have their things, their stories recorded and maybe the actual place recorded so they could see like how bad it is. Um, that's actually my dream. And so point that, that doesn't matter if it's ironbound, north war, south war, like we're all together and we're actually fighting it together because it's a city. Um, it doesn't matter if you're on this side of the track or the other side of the track, we're still gonna face the same issues. Justification is coming and if you don't stop it before it comes, there will be no stopping it at all. And you're just gonna have to live with it and it's not gonna be pretty to get rid of it. It's actually harder to get rid of it than I think to stop it or at least put policy in place that benefit us, the community who are been living there the longest. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or say or? Get out there, look online. You share something. You learn something new every day. You may not be affected by it, but somebody else may be. And just having that compassion and understanding that just because you're not facing it doesn't mean it's not going to affect you one way or another. Your community is lucky to have you. Thank you. And I'm lucky to have them. They're amazing. Yeah. They teach me things every day and they're so welcoming because I'm technically not from New York. And they welcome me with open arms like I've been there years and like they know me for years like our family. And that's kind of how I am as a person. So I appreciate getting that from a community. Love is love. That's what I always say. Yay. And love. And today is <laughs> Valentine's Day. So it's a good day to talk about love. <laughs> I love it. Well, I hope that you um, 
find some love today. Find some of that space that you need if you need it and when you need it. It's always great connecting with Maria, and I learned a lot from her in this conversation. Find out more information about Maria and the Ironbound Community Corporation at www.ironboundcc.org. And look for more Urban Waters resources at www.urbanwaterslearningnetwork.org. Thanks so much for listening. This is Renee, signing off and wishing you well.